0: Did anybody have any flooding in your house? Oh man, okay, we did have some, man, I'm sorry. Uh, This, I think, was like a rough introduction to fall, would you say? Uh, Fall is now here upon us, Um, but for some people, they actually love fall, and I don't know about you, how many of you here actually love, fall is your favorite, oh, nice season, your favorite season, oh, okay, good, we got some people, wow. Wow. We got a lot of people there. Okay, fall's your favorite season. Why do you like it? It's cooler, which I'm right there with you. Cider and donuts. Where do you actually, where do you get cider and donuts up here? Yates. Oh, Oh, there's a fight. Okay, no fights breaking out here. Yes, Meyer has them fresh and ready probably all year round. I don't know. Um, so fall, yeah, if you don't get out, I mean, I don't know, I didn't know if there was certain ones up here that you guys would go to, but Yates is a great one. Um, the, the owner goes to our, our church, um, which, is, which is good. So, um, but how many, then, then we move from fall to winter. How many of you are fans of winter? No? Oh, look at that. We do have some. Yes. All the young kids are fans of winter because that means they can get out of school. When there are storms, that's their their time that they love getting out of school. So um, snow is beautiful. I actually love winter. That's my favorite season. I know some people think it's kind of weird, but I love that the Word of God actually speaks, and I think it makes it the favorite season. Because it says, "When your sins are as scarlet, they shall be washed as white as snow." snow. Not leaves, <laughs> not green ga- green grass or the sunshine. It's snow. I'm like, "Wow, God, you're so beautiful when you do that." So the next time when t- when winter hits and that snow starts falling, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I remember Pastor Tim actually talking about that." Um, so then we go from winter to what? Spring, <laughs> summer, yeah, back to summer. He's like, man, I love having school off. So you have spring. How many of you are fans of spring? A few of you, okay. It's kind of where new life kind of begins to emerge, and uh, it's you're coming out. So the wa- coming out of the winter, so you start to get some warmer weather, which is kind of nice. Um, Easter is is upon us, so it's kind of a nice season to remember. Uh, God's death and resurrection, um, so spring is another season. Now what's really interesting is some of you here today actually raised your hand for pretty much all of them. <laughs> now that's cheating. Uh, talking about cheating, that's actually cheating, but some of you actually like all of the seasons, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of you love change, and for me, I wish I was a person that loved change. I'm not a habit um, I'm a person who is of habits. Change is not something that I really enjoy a whole lot. Like, when I get up in the morning, I have a specific routine that's very meticulous in what I do. Does anybody, is anybody with me on this? Like, you have, you love routine. No? Okay, a few of you. Wow, not too many. All right. I mean, right down to the fact of the way I get out of my bed is pretty much the same every Sunday or every, every day of the week, and that is I fall out. <laughs> um, no, I. but I mean, I get out of bed, I go to the bathroom, and I begin my process and my habits of how I get ready for the day. And if I ever get thrown off by one, it's amazing how it just throws me off even into the day. Um, whether it's the time I brushed my teeth, did I brush my teeth after I did this or before I did this? And if I can throw some small wrench into my day through something like that, it's the weirdest thing to me. So I don't really enjoy change a whole lot. Um, And I know some people enjoy change. But in this series that we're talking about, Newish, this reality of trying to understand that God has done something in our life, but because he's done something in our life, now we have to begin to live for that. That change that happens in our life is not easy, amen? It's a hard, hard thing for us to do, to actually change from being one person who lived a life a certain way, now to have to shift that and actually follow Jesus. It's weird, a habit actually takes over two months, well, a habit actually takes over two months to actually become a reality. You have to do it every day for over two months for it to turn into a habit, and it's something that's real and something that's a part of you. Your brain has to build those grooves that actually, it says, where that becomes a habit that you do every day. So for us, this reality and spiritually in our lives of trying to build these habits and to change our lives from moving from death and moving from sin to moving to life into to Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? How do we break this power? And the big idea for us today is that sin is a power that wants to master you. Sin is a power that wants to master you. Satan's number one goal is to have you live a life of sin and to be so set in your habits and your ways that you are mastered by Him and change does not happen. But God has different plans in your life, so how do we change this? How do we escape this familiar, powerful assault of sin in our lives? Now I want you to turn to Romans chapter six, whether it's in your Bible or it's in your smartphone. We're just gonna read this together and kinda walk through a few verses to help us understand how to change how to begin this process of sanctification where we are moving from death to life and following Jesus Christ if we know him. And Paul speaks to this in Romans chapter 6, verses 8 through 14. Um, I want us to actually read that. Um, and you can see it. I, I think it will be on the screen as well. But if you can follow along in your Bible or on your smartphone, that's great uh, as well. I'm going to read all of this for us this morning. Starting with verse A of Romans 6, it says, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin And alive to God in Jesus Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but you are under Grace, I think this is a beautiful passage. And I know for Romans, people are kind of scared of the book because Paul can get kind of deep. But as you see in this passage and as we will discover in this passage, it's such a beautiful text for us to understand the power and the dominion that we can have through Jesus Christ in our personal lives. And so that's what we're going to look at, at at today. Number one, I want us to see this today, that we need to know that Christ will never die again. Christ will never die again. I think this is huge in overcoming this reality of sin mastering us. Look at again at verse 8 to 10. It says, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For death, he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. I love that verse in verse 9 where it says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Aren't you glad that Christ doesn't need to die again and again for your sin? Can I get an amen in the house? Isn't it amazing that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth and took on sin past, present, and future and was nailed to a cross. And when he said, it is finished, he meant it is finished. Not just his life, but the reality that he was paying for our sin completely. Completely. That reality means that today or tomorrow when you, die, you sin again, you don't have to experience spiritual death because Christ already died for all of your sin. That's a beautiful and powerful thing for us today. Right, church? This is the reality that we live in. I think it's so easy for us that we've grown up in church our whole life or we've heard the gospel. Somehow we just, it's like we get too old to the reality that Jesus died on a cross and he died and he died for our sin and that's all there is to it and it's great. Thank you, Jesus. And then we just try to go back into our life realizing that that death over sin was once for all. Man, thank you, God, that you did that for us. That should give us power in understanding this whole reality that sin shouldn't master us in this reality of our journey of life going from sinners to saints. Paul's re emphasizing this because if you go back into Romans and even earlier in the passage, he's re emphasizing this truth through this chapter because our identity changes. It says in verse 8, we've died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. The reality is, is we died with him, and that's what I love about baptism. When you go down into the water, you're kind of this, rea- this spiritual reality that you are dying to sin, that you're being buried with him, and then you're coming back up out of the water to be raised in newness of life. That's the spiritual reality of baptism. The waters of baptism are not some special water that's going to make you get younger. Man, that would be beautiful. I'd be getting baptized every Sunday. There's nothing in the water that if you touch it, you're spiritually going to be turned upside down. The reality is is that the water is a spiritual significance of this life that has happened with you in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. He repeats himself because he wants to get this truth across. And I love that. Christ's death for sin was complete. I don't know of anybody, and 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 I don't believe of anybody anyone that's actually died for somebody and come back and lived to tell about it. When they died for someone and they gave up their life for someone, when they died, even thinking about 9-11 and the tragedy of those policemen and firefighters going in to rescue people in those towers some of those men and women lost their lives for others so that those others could live but the reality is is those people that died did not come back to life see the beauty is there's only one person who died and came back to life there's only one person who gave his life for mankind and went into the grave for three days And then said, I have power over sin and death and hell. And that's Jesus Christ. I love 1 Peter 3.18. I want to read this for us today. For Christ also suffered once for sins. He didn't have to suffer beyond once. The righteous for the unrighteous, that's us, the unrighteous, that we might bring us, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. Putting to death the flesh and being made alive in the Spirit. That is what Paul is talking about here, that change that needs to begin to happen in our lives once we've given our life to Jesus Christ. Secondly, we see here that we're considering and we need to consider ourselves dead to sin. Look at verse 11 and 12 as Paul continues on as he teaches and he speaks here in this in his letters to the Romans. He says, So you must all consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions see that verse part of chapter 11 what's the first word that we see there you can speak in church it's okay you're not going to get zapped and killed what's the first word so so if if the word there so is there for a reason what is it what's the reasoning that that's there for and you can talk in church too Yeah, like, because because of what I just told you, here, this is what we're supposed to be doing. So, I love that. He says, so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The reality is, when you come to know Jesus Christ, sin is not going to all just vanish in your life. And I think the enemy wants to trick us to believe That once we come to know Jesus Christ, our life becomes perfect. It becomes easy. We don't sin anymore. All we think about is doing good for other people. That's not true. We have a process that we go through in our faith that's called sanctification, where I'm trying to die to my flesh, and I'm trying to live to the Spirit of God. But we have this war. We have the flesh that's being like, no, live for yourself, live for yourself. It's all about you. And then you have the spirit that's saying, no, no, live for Jesus. Live for others. Think of others before you think of yourself. That battle of the two going on at the same time. But Paul here is saying, so you must consider yourselves dead to that part of sin. You're dead to sin. The next time that you're tempted to sin, which will probably be today. The next time you're tempted to sin, you should even say out loud, like, or to yourself, I'm dead to that. The enemy, no, I'm dead to you, sorry. I'm I'm not following that. Because that's not what Jesus Christ saved me for. He did not save me to go back into sin. He saved me for righteousness. It's hard, though. It's a very, very difficult battle for us to live in that. And I want to even tell you personally, I'm in that battle and we'll be in that battle our entire lives until Jesus takes us home. See, that's why people sometimes don't really want to accept Jesus Christ because they either don't want to battle the flesh and the spirit or they're just afraid that once they they pray a prayer to receive Christ, now they have to be perfect. I want you here to know today, you don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus Christ. Because if you did, that means his death wouldn't mean anything. And what's a beautiful thing is, is that you don't have to pray to receive Christ again and again. This is the passage that we would refer to to someone that says, well, I have to receive Christ again. I can lose my salvation, and I have to regain my salvation. No. See, if that was the case, then that means Christ has to keep dying. And the reality is, is that he died once for all. I, I was thinking about this. To me, like I'm a big computer guy and you know how you have updates of your computer? Like you have a version of your computer that's old and then it has to be updated to a version that, that's new. Some of you are looking at me like, really? I, I would encourage you to go home today and do a little research on that so you can figure out that maybe your computer might run a little bit faster if you update it. See, what an update does is it takes you from the old operating system and brings you kind of up to date with a new operating system. Usually it's faster, it's more efficient, it has more things for you to help you out. See, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you mer- move from version 1 to version 2. Your life is now not about me, myself, and I, and everything that I want in my life. That update now is that now I begin to think about what is it that other people need around me. I love that we, we even just sang about that. To share your love to those around me. See, that is an update to version chapter chapter 2. It's like, man, my life now is going to move from this being about me and not about Jesus Christ and about my flesh to now being about other people and being about the Spirit of God and following other people. Loving them, serving them, thinking about them above myself. Thirdly, with all of this, we need to present ourselves to God in verses 13 and 14. Paul continues on here. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Once again, that's kind of going back to chapter 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. See, the enemy wants to reign, and I love that they use this term, reign, um, this idea of reign. He wants to rule you. And so the author here, Paul, is saying, don't let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. He says, verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought, brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for Righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. This this members that he speaks of in verse 13, as I was studying it, the members actually means every part of who you are, every member of this part, this mind, soul, body, and spirit, every part of that He wants you to be able to present to God. And here he says, as an instrument, as instruments of righteousness. That word instrument means a weapon for battle. If you believe that coming to know Jesus Christ somehow just turns into a joy ride, you are sadly mistaken. The reality is is that we're going to battle with sin like I've already mentioned. This battle, and that's why Paul even calls that there. He says, Instruments for unrighteousness, and then presenting yourself as instruments for righteousness. I need to present my body, my soul, my spirit, every part of who I am, as an instrument, as a tool to fight for righteousness' sake, not unrighteousness. And sadly, some of us that know Jesus Christ are presenting ourselves as instruments, as tools for unrighteousness. And Paul's trying to say, we got to move beyond this. If we know Jesus Christ, then it should affect the way that we live and the way that we think. And all of our members need to be presented to God as these instruments that are actually going to live out the truth of God's Word. Now the word present, I love it says it here two times, and it's obviously presenting presenting your members as instruments for unrighteousness. But then he says, present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. That word present means to yield. Or to give up. It's a deliberate decision. You have to make these decisions every moment of every day in your life to yield yourself to the will and the power of God as opposed to the will and the power of the evil one. Satan is not going to just lay over dead because you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart. He wants to make your life miserable. He wants to make the battle very, very difficult for you. He wants to entice you to be like, it really isn't as good as you think it was. See, it's so hard to live for God. You don't want to do that. It would be so much easier to go back. And that's where the battle of every day, saying these decisions. I am yielding myself to you, God. I take all of who I am and I give it to you today, today, and every moment. Some of you, it might be moments in the day. They're like I got to present myself and I've got to yield myself to God because I know who I am and I know the way that my flesh draws me and pulls me away. This part that. That for me, I, living under the condemnation of the law and of the enemy, really, and I wrote this down, It's it, it really is saying that you're a failure, you're broken, like I'm saying, you can't do anything right. But see, we live under God's grace. Isn't that amazing? Where it says in verse 14, sin will have no dominion. That, there's that word dominion, which means rule over you. Since you are not under the law, but you are under what? Aren't you thankful for grace? Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is that we bring nothing to the table, and God gives us everything. And we're not under the law. Paul's saying, you've lived under the law for too long, and the law will just let you know that you're a sinner And I don't know about you guys, I don't need to know every day when I wake up that I'm a sinner. I feel like the entire day, I have the enemy standing right there like, Yep, you're a sinner. See what you just did? Yeah, see how you're broken? See how you're a failure? See how you're not following after God? It's like he's just there whispering in your ear. And that's where the reality to me is, no, by grace, grace tells me that I'm forgiven, I'm justified, I'm new, I'm loved, and I'm alive. That's what grace speaks to us. So when you hear the enemy trying to whisper these words, even today as you leave this place, you just turn to grace and you say, No, I've received Christ's grace. That is not the person that I am anymore. I'm moving this way, in this direction, towards Jesus and towards following him because of what he's done for me in my life. I don't know about you. Uh, But I'm a huge fan of Detroit. Any lovers of Detroit here? It's a beautiful, beautiful place. I lived there for eight years right in the middle of downtown. It's an experience. Every day you wake up and you see something you've never seen before. Like one day I watched a guy, I was driving to work and I saw a guy shadow boxing a tree. (laughs) And I was like, yep, this is the city that I love so much. It really, really is. It's a beautiful city with beautiful people. Um, one of the things that obviously the city is known for is all these houses that are broken down, and and have to be destroyed. And it's sad because some of them are the most beautiful houses that were built a long time ago. One of them is right close to downtown, not far from Ford Field. And um, this lady who has this show online called the Rehab Addict. Do you know who I'm talking about? she actually goes into homes, and she Detroit is kind of one of the places that she lives and has family, but what she does is she goes into a home, and instead of leveling it and just starting over, she sees the home, and she sees every part of the home as something to be salvaged because she sees beauty in every part of it. So she has a team of people that actually come in, and I mean, this house, man, when I drive, I used to drive by it all the time. I'm like, man, it's going to fall apart, but it's like trying to imagine it in its heyday, like how beautiful it was. It has a turret, which is right on the corner of the house with windows surrounding it. Like it must have been beautiful. She went into this house with her team and she restored this thing back to its original. And I remember the day that they were like, there's going to be, it's, there's free tours of the house. I'm like, I'm in there. So I go over there, I get I get to the to place where to park and there's a line that's all the way around the block to get in to see this. I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to wait cuz I want to go in and I want to see this house. So I remember walking in, I mean they have t- they had kept so much of that house and you couldn't even hardly tell the things that that needed new things that needed to be brought in. They were able to even take wood that was restored from other houses and bring it in and bring it into the wood that was like too far gone to restore. So she takes everything and save it. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. I want to tell you guys today, there is nothing in your life that God wastes when he makes you a child of his. Some of you in your life, you feel like you're too far gone. You feel like you've done so many things in your life. You don't feel like, God, there's no way God could change me. God could restore me. He is the God of restoration. Amen? I mean, how many of you could give testimonies here today of situations where you're like, there is no way that I was going to be able to get out of this situation, but I'm sitting here today because of what God has done in my life and how he's changed me and what he continues to do in my life today. Amen? We're living restoration projects. The reality, though, is we're not finished yet. We're still in this process And he's still working on us. But God uses his grace to transform and restore us to our original. Like someday we're going to stand before God and we're going to be the people he originally created us to be. But we don't wait until that day. We want to continue on this journey towards restoration until that day that we see him face to face. That's the journey that we're on. And I don't know about you, where you find yourself today, where you come in today. Maybe you come in today and you don't know Jesus. Like you've, you've heard the name Jesus, but it's always been used to swear. <laughs> you've seen, you only heard the name of Jesus to be taken in vain. You've never heard the name of Jesus as, a, as the son of God who came and gave his life because he truly loved you and wanted to restore your life. For some of you like that, I want you, I want you to know today that God's waiting to restore you. And his death, which was once for all and complete, is yours today. All you have to do is say, Jesus, my life, you know it better than I do, and I'm a sinner. And I'm a sinner that needs you And I know that you hung on the cross for my sin, past, present, and future. And I know by receiving you into my life today, I accept and am forgiven of my sin so that now I'm a child of yours. For those of you that haven't done that today before you leave, it's the most amazing decision you could ever make in your life. And I know Pastor Vince and some of the staff or myself would love to talk to you about how you can make that decision and know for sure that you're a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ and begin the transformation of the newish part of life. For those of you that have known Jesus Christ for a long time, the reality is, is God wants you to actually move out of the sin that you continue to let linger in your life and to move towards righteousness. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that you're not saved. He just gave his son and he gave everything for you because he wants everything from you. I know these are hard, hard words to hear. And I know Paul, even in this letter, is challenging the believers. But I hope this is a challenge to us today, but that we are not under the law anymore, but we're under grace. I, I, I hope that this message is wrapped up with the reality that we don't live under the law of sin any longer. We live under the grace of God. Let's pray together. Father, it's, it's only your grace. It's only your grace, just like the song says, that's greater than all of our sin. All of our sin. There is no sin that anyone has done here today that your grace cannot cover. Thank you that you died once for all. You didn't have to die again that your death completely took sin and hell and said, it's finished. I give myself as a sacrifice for sin. Thank you for that sacrifice. Thank you, Father, that you are with us on this journey of sanctification, of becoming more like you, less like the world, less like the selfish self, that used to always live inside of us and come out all the time, that we begin to see our lives change and become more like you, Jesus. We just want to become more like you, Jesus. That's our heart's desire. That's what we want to see in our lives. And I pray that you'd help us with that. We need help in our minds. We need help in our souls. We need help in our spirit. We need help in our decisions that we make every day. We need to become more like you, Father. So help us with that. We claim your death, your burial, your resurrection to give us power over sin and to receive new life in Jesus Christ. And it's in that name, that matchless name of Jesus, there's no other name. There's no other name but your name, Jesus. Thank you for being our cornerstone that we can lean on, that we can lean our lives and put our lives upon, knowing your love for us. And it's in your name that we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.